Hello everybody and welcome to the Grown Up Girls Report Book Club. This is our, it's our eighth book. Wow, Jules. Wow. <laughs> we are doing well. We are doing well. And I've had a couple of people this week say, oh my God, Alex, how come you're reading so many books? How do you do it? Well, Jules, you saw before the state of my kitchen. <laughs> She's my friend and she's not going to lie. No, it's pretty it was bad. fine. Oh, Jules. It was fun. I am going to, well, I'm not going to lie. No. no, I won't lie because it was fine. I thought it looked all right. Oh, well, <laughs> they're, they're both sinks are full. There's yeah. stuff to be packed up, but whatever. So, so look, it is the reading. The reading at the moment is, is a bit of a commitment, but we are going to continue with our book a week till the end of June. And then I think we might go back to maybe once every fortnight, once Sounds every good. month. Yeah. We'll see what see how people feel. But I am very, very pleased to have my very, very clever editor friend, Jules Collard, here today. Too kind. How are you, doll? <laughs> well, thanks. Really good. Good. Yeah. And we are going to be talking about a really interesting book called Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid. Now, before we get into the book, I think we need to say, Jules, that race does very much play a, a role in this book. And we need to preempt our conversation saying that we are two white women initiating this conversation. <laughs> we'll do our absolute best to try and, you know, make appropriate comments and, and make it relevant. But we are looking at it through our, through our own lens. That's but we right. will try very hard to... And look. we will be mortified if it's taken in any other way. Exactly right. So <laughs> so bear with us, bear with us. But um, it is, um, it is, it is an, a book that really got me thinking. So Jules, apart from the fact that uh, you already had the book at home, why did we choose this book? What was it that drew you to this in the first place? Well... I um, I think I heard about it on another podcast actually right. um, as a recommendation and I just thought it sounded super interesting. Um, it actually sounded very similar to a TV show that I saw, I think it was on SBS, called The Red Line. Oh, I haven't um, heard of that. Uh, Noah Wiley, the guy from ER, was oh, in that. Oh, I love him. Yes, and it was a fantastic show about a couple of um, gay guys who had adopted a black girl and... Um, and yeah, the one of the fellows ends up being murdered in the store just because he interrupts an armed robbery, and he's black. And the police turn on him simply because he's black and think he's the perpetrator of the crime. Um, and it, it so it had all of those elements of um, of racism and whatnot. And so yeah, I don't know. It just this one also has those a similar kind of starting point. You know, one key scene that sets the tone for the whole book. And, and I do how love everything, that. Yeah. Draws you in right from the start, Absolutely, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And you sort of think, well, where are we going with this? And and so, yeah, it reminded me of that as well. And, yeah, they're really interesting, thought-provoking ideas. Mm, so. I totally agree. To me, to me, it deals with that whole old age question about whether we can actually truly connect with people across the barriers of race, gender, wealth and privilege. And it reminded me of Normal People, which you and I read and discussed about yes, four yeah. weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, and obviously a race isn't as much of an issue in Normal People, but no, class but and privilege very yeah. much resonated in that yeah, book. Yeah, and in lots of ways they have, they, they're similar things in terms of they keep people apart sometimes Absolutely. and they um, lead to people feeling that they don't belong in one place or another. Absolutely. Yeah, so. so. So it did remind me of that as well. The other reason this book captured my attention is that when I was digging, I saw that Carly Reid, the author, commented that this was a comedy of good intentions. And that intrigued me. And um, and having read it, I can say that, that, yes, there are some parts of this that are hilarious. It's very light. Um, it's an easy read. But yeah. it doesn't shy away from some of the big issues, which is Not why I thought it was worth 
reading. So, um, yep. yeah, so we've really, really enjoyed it. So let's have a bit of a chat about the story now. As as always, we're not going to give it away, but we're just going to give you a little bit of a flavour. Um, and so, Jules, maybe you mentioned before that it starts off with the, this, this big scene, this big incident. That's right. Do you want yeah. to describe that for us? Yeah, well, our main character, um, Amira, well, we have two main characters. Amira is a um, young African-American woman in her mid-20s. Um, who is babysitting as her key, well her main job for um, a fairly well-to-do white family in um, Philadelphia in Pennsylvania and um, in the middle of her Saturday night out with her friends she is called to come and help them with some babysitting in the middle of the evening so she's you know had a few drinks already she's dressed quite differently yeah, to how she would normally mode, be she? that's right yeah. And she um, ends up being asked to remove the child um, that she normally takes care of from the home just for a little while because a little altercation had happened in the home. And um, when she's out and about at the local Very White, they, they mm. call it a Very White grocery store, yes. um, which is open to midnight in the area, um, she is apprehended by the security guard of the store because she has a white child, a very tiny, you know, two, two-and-a-half-year-old child with her. And um, some of the people there are suspicious of why a, an African-American woman would have a child that's clearly not her own out in the middle of the night dressed as she is. <laughs> exactly. So um, it's about how all of that unfolds and the racism associated with her being apprehended for that um, and, yeah, how she responds to it, um, that kind of thing. Mm. And then, you know, we go on and it's basically the relationship between her and the white family that she works for is pretty much, you know, the the scene set for the whole rest of the book. You know, her relationship with the mother of the children, her, you know, a relationship that she builds with um, a new boyfriend, <clears throat> her friendships, all those kinds of things are all explored. So, Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. What I thought was really interesting is that right from the get-go at that and in that initial incident, um, the, the whole the whole racism thing just comes comes to the fore, and the situation only sort of I suppose is remedied. Um, she's basically Amira is detained by a cop, isn't she? A policeman because there is some concern she's baby obviously kidnapped this child, and um, this this security guard or, or cop is only appeased when Amira calls Peter, who is um, the, the husband in the family that she looks after the children for, an old white guy. Um, she said, "Let's let's call Peter. He's an old white guy, so I'm sure that'll make everyone feel better." And then he turns up. And immediately he turns up and they see the colour of his skin. They completely capitulate. Completely mm. pivot. And mm. the whole situation is just that everyone starts apologising and wanting to make it better. Yes. Um, so I thought I thought that was really interesting. But it's not just about that, I don't think, is it? It was actually described in the Atlantic as being a satire of the white pursuit of wokeness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was discussing this with my husband before. He said, what's wokeness? <laughs> How would you describe wokeness, Jules? Um, well, I guess just having an awareness or, of, of the culture of African-American yeah. people and, and being across it. Yeah, I guess, totally. Being knowing, cool. knowing what things mean, but also maybe acknowledging that probably white people can't really use the same terms or be fully woke. <laughs> yeah, totally, 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 absolutely. But I also see it, and I could be wrong, as sort of like someone who in America would be a, a bit of a groovy Democrat and they're really into social justice and they're sort of, you know, uh, they're, maybe they like vegan food. You know, I'm, I'm just going to really explore this whole concept. Really? Yeah. I I just, know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure a whole lot of um, African-American. No. When you read about the food in the yeah. book, yeah, there's no, there's, actually, no, there's not. No. But the 
the white there's... people that actually take on that whole wokeness. Oh, yes. I, that's, I suppose, what I'm, okay. I'm referring to. That's yeah. just how I see it. I could be Maybe. completely wrong. Yeah. Vegan food, lots of smoothies and, and cold-pressed juices. <laughs> the other main character um, in the book, because really the book does alternate chapter by chapter between yes, two perspectives. it does. Um, so we go from Amira, who is the, the mid-20s um, African-American babysitter, um, to her main employer, really, which is um, Alex. <laughs> yes, with an I. Yes. Alex with an I. But uh, in the book it actually just says she likes to overpronounce her name mm. when she's introducing herself to people because she says it with an Alex. Mm. But it, yeah, let's just call it Alex. Let's call it Alex with an I. It's, yeah. it's just irritating <laughs> to be honest. Um, so Alex is the other um, main character in the book whose perspective we hear a lot from. And she is just... She's a woman, a white woman of a great many means. I mean, she's well-to-do. They live in a three-storey brownstone. They have everything that they could possibly need. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really appreciate not having things. Um, She doesn't really understand in any way the, um, I guess, the hardship that Amira goes through and having to juggle jobs and uh, the fact that she is, as a 25-year-old, at age 26 in America, you need to have health care as part of the benefits given to you by your job. And her babysitting job with Alex's family doesn't give her that because it's not a full-time job. Um, so as a 25-year-old, she's very, very aware of that, that that's pressing on her, the deadline of her 26th birthday. Um, so Alex has no awareness of any of those sorts of things in, in um, Amira's life. But anyway, Alex is um, desperately trying to befriend Amira. She is. It's like she is, it's, it's almost incredibly odd. She's only about seven or eight years yes, older than she her. she is. And it's as if she is from, a, I don't know, her grandmother's generation by comparison. Oh. There is such an enormous gap between the two women and Alex is constantly trying to breach that gap and Amira is constantly putting up the walls and saying back off lady totally she calls her Mrs Chamberlain she refuses to call her by her first name and Alex is desperate to be called by her first name um she's desperately you know snooping on Amira's um phone notifications that come through on her phone so that she can see what she might be doing this weekend so that she can have some questions ready so that she can ask her how her weekend went she's Desperately trying to befriend her, and it's Amira almost a girl crush. Interested. Yeah, it is. A it's girl a girl crush. crush. It's an intriguing girl crush. Yes, and I think it only. Um, I think we can make mention of this that that there is another incident in the book that happens after the incident in the grocery store, whereby her husband mm. Peter Chamberlain makes it. He's a he's an on air TV host. He's an anchor, in Philadelphia, yes. yep. and he makes an inappropriate comment, which. Well, actually, it happens before the incident in the grocery store, but he makes a he makes a somewhat racist comment, which actually gets him to a lot of trouble. Yeah. And that was a bit of a wake up call for Alex because that then prompted her to really, you know, wake up. I think it was wake the f up actually, mm. and and really try to understand Amira a little bit more. And she didn't also want, but it was a bit self serving. It wasn't like she was on some big moral journey because she didn't really want Amira to find out because she didn't want Amira to leave because yeah. you know Amira really filled that gap that Alex was struggling with. I think Alex probably had some 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 depression, some mental health issues. I honestly. Do. Well, not that it was ever discussed at all. She's very lonely. Very lonely. I think they made that clear a lot that she was a very lonely woman. She was. She had very high hopes for her future, and then she became a mother. Yes, and, and it was crack kind came crashing of down. Stopped. Yeah, pretty much there, because well, well, after her first child, she she was still in New York City at that point with her husband, 
and they ended up moving to Pennsylvania, which was her decision. Well, it wasn't her decision, the timing of it, but she came from Pennsylvania and wanted to grow up. Oh, sorry, not grow up. She wanted to raise children she in did. Pennsylvania. She did. Um, because she wanted them outside of the, um, I guess, the, the tightness of New York City. She wanted yards and she wanted open mm. air. And, Scooters in the street and yes, all that stuff. that yeah. sort of stuff. So she did always say to her husband she wanted to move back to Pennsylvania um, for, as parents, but um, it all came about too soon for her because her career had just been taking off. So, and can we just talk about that career? So, yeah. so I actually think that the character of Alex is really clever because it's almost as though she has been designed to be a caricature of that whole working mum influencer. Yeah, you know that whole Instagram oh, yes. influencer. Yeah, and I think that is actually quite hilarious. Yeah, um, and because she um, she's quite involved in Hillary's campaign. Well, she more she'd like to be more well, involved, she's but she's desperately she, trying to be involved. She's, she's trying yeah. really hard, but she, she you know there's there's something happening there. Um, and during during college, she started blogging about luxury products. Um, that she was sent after writing companies gushing letters on fancy stationery. So she made that a little bit of a thing for herself. But later in her 20s, she developed this Instagram-based, I suppose, female empowerment brand called Let Her Speak, which is so ironic on so many levels considering yes. how the story unfolds. But anyway, yes. um, and uh, and so she, she started doing workshops and television and presentations on how to lean in, mm. you, know, yep. you know, how to be empowered. And, yeah. and, and so, again, so ironic, really, so ironic. Yeah. And she got her greatest number of followers by um, purposely, like, thinking through, if I just breastfeed my child oh, on stage while I am mid, um, you know, presentation, presentation really. in a, a huge seminar and, and somebody videos this, then, oh, and she got all of these extra followers for it. And so she was seen as a bit of a poster child briefly and she loved She that. loved it that, just, didn't she? She has quite an ego, I think. She does. She's actually quite Machiavellian, I think. And, <laughs> and as, as the story unfolds, and we won't give any spoilers away, particularly towards the end. Yeah. You know, the, I think the, uh, the ends justifies the means is very much Well, that's uh, interesting. I listened to a podcast with BBC4 where um, the interviewer actually interviewed Kylie Reid and she asked her about the characters. She asked her about the character of Alex and she said that she actually has greater sympathy for Alex than she does for Amira. Really? Yes. That she okay. that she thought Alex was a very lonely woman, mm. um, that Alex was someone um, who was lumped by her husband into all of the childcare issues. She said if you, you know, read the book carefully, you'll see that, you know, her husband Peter is really very peripheral. Um, that Incredibly all of, peripheral, yeah, actually. All of the decisions to do with the children are lumped on her. All of the childcare is lumped on her. It's always about her making these. I mean, these are all things that probably a great number of us will recognise. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I did actually. I did actually get all that. Um, but um, yeah, she actually said she felt quite sorry for her, and she was in no way um, intending for the book to be um, critical of Alex for having childcare. Um, that she has herself worked as a nanny for many years yes. and she's one of the reasons that she set the book um, around something she knows as well as, you know, the state of nannying and babysitting is that um, she wanted it to um, be a, a book that actually really um, looked into the transactional relationships we have around childcare, um, the fact that, you know, how do you, in Amira's shoes, for example, how do you ever move on to the better job that does have the healthcare benefits while ever you feel this love in your heart for this little person? Mm. And is it okay to have such love in your heart for a little person that isn't your little person? Mm. You're only paid to spend your time around this little person. Mm. Mm. And, you know, she was talking about how at various times 
if she's moved on from a family or if a family has moved on from her, how difficult it is to um, to feel like you have a right to turn up at a birthday party where you weren't being paid. Yes, interesting. But you love the child, right. you know. Um, so she wanted to look into all of those sides of things as well because yeah. Amira in the book is very much um, very down on herself for being someone who is actually loving looking after children for a living. Who does such a magnificent yeah. job. She's a star in her field. Like, yeah. like, I mean, wouldn't anyone love to have a woman like that help you with your children? Yeah. Like she's very, very clever at what and she does. And very responsible so as well. So responsible yeah. as she acted in the initial stages of the book. But the other thing I was I read too, Jules, is that um, is that Reed, Reed Kylie said that she's actually quite fascinated by the whole concept of emotional labour, basically where you're being paid in return for love, which is yes. essentially what, well, actually probably more so in Amira's case, because I really did feel that Alex, the mother, was she was clearly struggling. I felt she didn't really have a natural sense of connection with her first child, Bria, no, Bria, I agree. Briar, 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 yes. that she did with her second child, Catherine, yes. and that Amira very much filled those shoes for her. But so, interestingly, they paint that, that she does have the connection with Catherine, the second child, because she's like a beautiful little image of I myself. Know. That was I just so thought, interesting, oh, wasn't no. it? I know. I know. It's quite terrible. <laughs> Only love the child that resembles yourself. That that's you know, know. that's narcissism right there. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But I also um so 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 Kylie was actually quite interested with this whole concept, and she has um, cited a couple of times Harry Harlow's work, um, and he is an American psychologist. I found this really interesting that in the '60s did a lot of work on maternal separation experiments with monkeys, and what he found was that baby monkeys preferred the comfort of a substitute mother made of terry cloth instead of wire even if the wire mother dispensed milk and so that was really interesting so with the minimum wage in new york set at about 15 dollars an hour when you're asking for someone to take care of your child you're asking for love but you're only basically paying them a pittance mm. so i thought that was really interesting so love's more important than food even mm. wow but you're only paying them a pittance for it yeah 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 i think she's obviously been very affected by this this you know nanny in her background yeah and, um and and she also, I also, I read that she also um, came out before the book was released. I think obviously they sent out a few sort of, what is it, seed books for people to review. Oh, yeah. And everyone assumed that Amira was based on her. And she came out and said, absolutely no way. In many ways, she empathises and her life was more similar to Alex's, even mm. though she is a woman of colour. Yeah. She had a very privileged upbringing and she went to college and whatever, but um, she... Yeah, so 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 Amira was not her experience. She very much had the Alex experience. Yeah, sure. So which yeah. is interesting. And I also sort of in this podcast too, she was also quite um, at pains to point out that Amira says a lot of classist things too, mm. and potentially racist things too. And mm. I think she she's trying to share that around a little bit as well. So yes. the the sole focus isn't just on the white people in the book being racist generally um, in lots of different ways. There's a really interesting um, scene where Amira and Alex um, towards the end of the book are actually having a conversation about the ways that each of them have, have been racist in their past. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yes. and Amira even sort of said that she didn't realise that, um, what was the term she, I think she said that you weren't allowed to say oriental. That's right. And that a friend pointed out that oriental you can only use to refer to a rug. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and she said, but and she said, oh, that's right. And the other thing she said was, I used to call um, other kids when I didn't like them in high school. I used to call them gay. And she said, I realise how wrong that sounds mm. now and how awful that mm. is. But so they're having a conversation where they were really confessing to each other the the various 
things that they'd said in their past along those lines yes. that they were quite horrified by as adults yeah. to think back on. That's really interesting, isn't um, it? Really interesting. So she's sort of, yeah, she's trying to share it around a little bit and, and point out that we're all capable and mm. um, regardless of the colour of our skin, we're all capable of making judgments on you know, things we shouldn't be making judgments on. Absolutely, absolutely. And actually, I have to say thank you very much to the lovely Jenny for sending in your comments, which were very much along those lines. She thinks that the character of Alex and Amira are carefully written to be neither good nor bad, nor right nor wrong, but both of them are racist and both of them also display um, sort of prejudices and, and and jump into that whole stereotyping. The other thing as well that another another lovely person called Julie, thank you Julie, uh, wrote in that she thinks that one interesting aspect of this is this concept of white saviours that occurs in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so she thinks it's a critique of, of white saviours. Um, I'm just going to read her comment, sorry. So, but, but Reed is careful not to let the characters fall into a one-dimensional stereotype. She uses these fully fleshed out characters to explore the way well-meaning white people often overstep and actually make black people's lives harder. Mm. Yeah, well, Amira doesn't seem grateful for much of anything that Alex does no. for her, nor should she be. No. I'm not saying no. she should be, but she, uh, Alex seems to think that, oh, all of this kindness, she, she has that sense of she does. I'm being kind constantly, I'm looking out for her, I'm doing everything I can to make her life easier and happier, mm. and, and Amira just seems quite befuddled yeah, she by does, the treatment. She, she yeah. really seems like she has no real idea what Alex is actually trying to do a no, lot of the time. I know, but she doesn't really truly understand Amira, does she? She doesn't, know At she, all, she just not. doesn't. And I think if we look at the other character of Kelly, who also does feature, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, mm. um, in the book, that is the same thing because there's a conversation that occurs um, at one stage between Amira and Kelly when uh, Amira is contemplating, or actually Kelly is contemplating on Amira's behalf that maybe she needs to look for another job. Mm. And, and he doesn't... It's just he just sees her as being a black woman. He doesn't see see her as being a black woman with any more potential, and is rigid in his thinking about her place in the world too. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, one other you know, interesting thing I I sort of saw in the relationships generally there is an, another character who's a bit peripheral um, called Lainey, and oh, she's yes. the um, co-anchor the, of um, Alex's husband Peter's co-anchor on the television show, and um, she visits the house and she's almost presented as a potential friend for Alex to make in yes. her move to Pennsylvania. And, but they um, never truly connect. No. no. And, but again, Alex is almost the Amira in that situation. Lainey thinks that Alex is young and hip and cool and she's desperately trying to force conversation and force um, long hugs where she rocks her back yes. and forth. Yes, they're very intense. Um, on on Alex and Alex is irritated by her and doesn't want a bar of it and it's like she's creating that's that's exact same replica of the Amira Alex relationship yeah. in the Alex Laney relationship yeah, that's and interesting, Jules. and Alex is just not into it and yet she still can't see that she's the Laney mm. to Amira mm. if you understand yeah no I totally get I totally get it I totally get it um, so it's interesting she's so you know you can sort of see these patterns developing and yet. On one end, Alex thinks she's doing a great job, and on the other side of it, Alex is just going. <laughs> no. um, so it's it's interesting. It's there's a lot of a lot going on. There is a lot going on. Absolutely, absolutely. So let so let's, we've talked about the characters. So obviously we've got Amira, we've got Alex, we've mentioned Kelly, mm-hmm. um, we've mentioned Lainey. Um, can we talk a little bit about? Um, 
there's two sort of distinct female friendship groups in the book. Yes. Uh, obviously, Alex's friendship group and Amira's. So Alex, um, as you mentioned before, was in New York for yes. a set period of time, and she had became very tight with a group of three girls. Yes. So there was uh, Rachel. There was yep. Tamara and was it Jody? Um, yeah, Jody. Yeah, Tamara. Tamara, yes, rather. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. yes. And, and um, yeah. I think Tamara was an African. Tamara is rather an African American yeah. lady. Yes. Yeah. And then we've got Jody, who doesn't actually specify, but you can only presume she's white because it does mention that she has two redheaded children. Um, that makes sense. And then Rachel is a Jewish slash Japanese woman. <laughs> Um, so it's like she has a representation in, yes. in her friendship group from yes. a, a lot of different backgrounds. Whether that's relevant or mm. not, I don't know. But yep. I think probably it's been done on purpose by Reed yes. as a technique. Sure um, and then been. obviously within um, Amira's friendship group, she's got Zara, who is, is African-American, same as Amira. Um, Josefa, who is part, well, mostly Latino, but who likes to uh, assure her friend that she is also um, she does have some African background because she's done some DNA testing yes, to prove it. Yes, and, and she or wants yeah. them to, to know that for yes. sure. Um, and then Shauna, who is also another one, but they they also talk about her as being light skinned, as though somehow that makes her slightly different. Yes, she's wealthy and white skinned. That's right, very wealthy actually, yeah, isn't she? Fair so skinned. Yeah. Yes. So within that little dynamic, there are there's there's quite a few different class aspects to it as well, yes, isn't she? So yeah. she's basically she's paid by her family to study, and she's been at university till her mid twenties. That's um yeah that that's her sefa. Yeah, that's her Sefa. Yeah. So she's the Latino friend. Oh, sorry, yeah. right. Okay. Shauna is the one whose parents, I think, ran um, a series of laundromats and just became very wealthy from it. And so she moves on in the book to become an executive, a marketing executive. Yes, that's right. And she gets promotions. I mean, that's, an- that's another whole element of the book that um, I think Kylie Reid tries to point out as well. In your 20s, it's a time where your friends, where you all set off and start off in the same place. So they were all at university together or college together. You can all make very different advances in your careers and your directions in that period of time. And your friends can jump classes according to their salaries and the privilege. And it can make it a very difficult period of time for someone in their mid-20s like Amira who doesn't have any help from any parents or any wealth or anything like that to draw on. Um, so all of her friends have had a little step up and Amira has not. No. And so they're advancing with their careers and they're also being somewhat critical of her for sticking with the babysitting job. Um, they are, aren't they? Yeah. And she, she has a lot a of anxiety time. about that, doesn't yes. she? Because yeah. I know there was one comment she made about how Zara, who probably is her tightest friend out of that group, yeah. she didn't want Zara to be too, you know, to basically give up on her and 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 move on because she didn't want to bore her with her, her sort of trivial concerns and um and and sort of be seen to be a bit of a failure. Yeah. So, I so when the really other girls are talking about their jobs, somehow it's it's okay for her to listen to their jobs because their jobs are talking about marketing strategies yes. or whatnot. Whereas for her talking about Briar, the sweet little girl that she is desperately like oh, besotted, besotted with, with she's besotted she? with it and she loves being a child care worker but somehow to talk to her friends about oh well, my day was whether or not to take her to the halloween party or whether we'd make it to the ballet class yeah. or the swim class in time somehow that doesn't cut it for conversation with her other 20 something friends exactly right and um that is obviously distressing to amira that she's sort of got a you know 
really almost censor herself and she her does. job somehow yeah. isn't important enough to she be spoken feel of. She does worthy, doesn't she? She feels very much yeah. less than, I think. And then they're also all putting extra pressures on her to go out and live a higher life than she can afford yes. because they get better paid. So, you know, Zara, her best friend, is saying, well, you've said, you promised that you would um, come with us on a, a five-night holiday to, to Mexico, um, Mexico yep. next year. We hope you're saving your money sort of thing. And mm. every night they go out, she goes, oh, my God, it's been a night of $20 entrees and, and you know, $100 worth of drinks tonight. And obviously her friends are just absorbing those costs mm. without a mm. second thought for mm. a mirror. Every cent counts. Yes, Every dollar course. spent is something for her to worry about. Yeah. So, and her friends don't have the sensitivity to sort of recognise that. They shout her drinks. Yeah, and they do, and they, they cover they, cover charges. Yeah, on occasions they extend and... generosity at times. That's fine, but yeah, when it comes to like you know, oh, well, let's all go to Mexico next year. Sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> playing in a different league. Playing yeah. in a different league. So the, all these things really weigh on her. So They do. And interestingly, um, Jules, this Kylie is actually currently working on a screenplay. Did you hear that? For the adaption of the book. Oh, okay. Yep. And um, that's also been the television and TV rights have actually already been sold. So okay. it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. So the, the, other, the other interesting comment from Kylie Reid, the author, was that while Amira's struggle to find a secure job may be at the heart of the novel. Um, Reed says she doesn't actually like issues books per se, but at the same time, quote from her, I'm not interested in reading or writing anything that doesn't comment on the world we live in. They seem like two different things though. They do, don't they? Yeah. They do. I mean, how do you comment on the world without commenting on the issues? But I think maybe that is because sometimes books that I suppose have got maybe a big agenda to try and change the world maybe can be a little bit of a hard read or a little bit a little bit overwhelming and, and perhaps um, don't therefore appeal to the majority. But maybe the beauty of this book is that on the surface level, it's light and bright and it's talking about, well, not light rather, and we're talking about female friendship and we're talking about people on journeys, but there are these other themes here that she's weaved in. So maybe it's an opportunity to deal with some of these issues. You know, know I guess if you took it completely so on surface, you could say that it's, yeah, fairly light and bright and mm. therefore not an issues book. But mm. I guess if you read between the lines, there's an awful lot of issues. There's an awful lot there. <laughs> but, 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 but I think the fact that it is light and yeah, makes it easier it to... It's to more digestible, definitely, than, digest. than something that's very, mm. you know, deep and dark mm. constantly throughout. Absolutely. <laughs> and maybe you could argue you could actually even have a bigger impact with a book like this because there'll be more people able to read that because sure. it's an easy yeah. read than yeah. a really big, hard, sort of deeply moralistic judgment mental book full of an agenda you know? or, or even you know if you're talking about you know something like racism or whatever like something like the color purple while it's a beautiful book would be an awful lot more deep and heavy it would it would this. and this is obviously extremely modern too Indeed, which of is course. also something that probably makes it quite digestible yeah. and, and um, easy to read as well um, and you know you can see I don't know you can see lots of different elements of just even young women in it if you've got a you know, a daughter in your house or if you've got, you know, um, teenage kids in your house, you can see all sorts of elements of even the culture that our kids are absorbing in terms of the music and the, um, the language even. I mean, there is some of this language is filtering through into our kids. Oh, a lot. Um, there's a lot. And, yeah, so there's a lot of amusement factor as well. There's a lot. It is actually, I laugh, there are some very funny bits in the book, some very, very funny bits, absolutely. The, the other thing I was a little bit, only a little bit disappointed with was that the characters, if we look at the two main characters, Alex and Amira, there wasn't a lot of personal growth 
it was almost, but maybe that's because it was a bit of a snapshot in time. And I suppose when I read a book, I always love to think, well, they've been on a journey and there's some character <laughs> development, whether it's the hero's journey or whatever, whatever oh, it's it is. the rose-coloured glasses. I know, I'm sorry. It's the Pollyanna in me. Um, and, and again, no spoilers, uh, but at, at the end of the book, we do see Amira, Amira moves forward with her life, mm. but not in a way that I want to sort of fist pump and go, yes, go girl, you've really done well and you've, and you've really, you, you've, you've really, you've had some great time to reflect and you're really pushing yourself. And Alex, again, if anything, I think, if anything, if there's, if there's an opposite to a character growth, it's character shrinkage. shrinkage. <laughs> and I almost feel like for her, it's a bit of a, that's how I see it for her. I don't feel like she's learnt anything and she gets herself into a bit of a, bit of a tricky situation at the end of the book. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think baby steps for Amira. I think there's hope there. Yeah, and she's a millennial. She's in her mid-20s. Yeah, yeah, baby steps. She's okay. I think yeah. I think she's learning her lessons along mm. the way and she'll mm. she'll go on to be okay. Mm. I feel like she's a bit of a survivor and um, so I don't feel too bad about that. But I think you're absolutely right actually about Alex that she is, um, yeah, she's getting more and more insular yeah. as she ages not that she's that old still she's interestingly only about 32 or 33 yeah. I think in the in the novel but yeah I think that um she's just desperately trying to prove what she's not rather than work absolutely. out what she is absolutely and if there's an opposite of being self-reflective she is also that mm. yeah. she, <laughs> she she needs she needs she needs another we need another book on her just to sort her out I think I'd feel quite good if Carly did that I feel like I'm I not need, sure I'd want to I read know. a book about just her. I know I feel unresolved actually but um, yeah. that, there's no spoilers again no spoilers again so Jules what was your favorite part of the book um Oh, look, I mean, I did like the start. I, I, I liked the language. I liked seeing, um, I mean, Kylie Reid, you know, one of the podcasts that I listened to about it, she was saying how she likes to get dialogue just right and she purposely used her dialogue um, quite differently with Amira when she was with the friends as opposed to when she was at work. And she was talking about the, um, the code switching that black um, people do or African-American people do moving between almost vernaculars um yes. so she speaks a certain way with her friends um which almost seems stereotyped to me but is apparently obviously very accurate because yeah. it's coming from someone who knows what she's talking about um and she moves into a, a whole other white speak essentially when she's um with her employer and in a way we all do it probably do. i mean you know she sort of says a lot of her african-american friends will refer to it as putting on your receptionist voice right okay <laughs> that makes sense yeah um so we all do it we all adjust how we speak and i guess the tone we take um when we're in a professional environment as opposed to just you know in our home or with our mates or whatever um, but I think sh her point is that she feels it's probably a bigger change between a bigger switch between the codes, mm. between the way you speak with your friends when you're African-American and the way you speak out in a professional environment. Um, and, yeah, so seeing the, seeing the dialogue she uses with Amira and her friends it just flows. She said, I wanted it to flow. And it did. And it you know, did. even the text, she, oh, you know, she writes texts and they were just they said very little the way texts so, so often do, yeah. But they, you knew exactly what they meant. Absolutely. You know, she did a beautiful job. Actually, that that that, that to be honest, one of them, I had two favorite parts of the book, and one of them was that beautiful friendship between those four girls. Mm. I just thought she did a beautiful job of yeah. the highs and the lows, and the dynamics between them, and their communication. And there was there was a lot of love there, weren't there? Yeah, there was, there was yeah. a lot of love. There really was. The other part I loved, probably my favorite part was um was, was was about Briar the toddler the yes, relationship between yeah. Amira and Briar we haven't and spoken about that we much. haven't yeah. and I just thought look it made me laugh and um 
I just thought she was the cutest and she, clearly she was a very, very bright girl and clearly she was very full on and Alex just couldn't cope with her. She struck me as potentially Asperger's. Yeah, I totally agree <laughs> with that. Quite, quite high functioning. But they were so beautiful together and I think in many ways they they helped each other during yeah. that phase, don't you think? What I loved also is just that it was very clear in the writing that Emira got Briar. Yeah, whereas Alex And her didn't. own mother didn't. No. And it was really sad Very that sad. that was the case. Her mother wasn't really trying. Her mother was constantly looking to see, well, how is the world seeing us right now? How is the world seeing my relationship with my daughter right now rather than just focusing on having the relationship mm. with her daughter? Alex spent a lot of time worrying about what things look like from yes. the outside what's the in, aesthetic here? As opposed to thinking about how she can fix things from the inside out. Yes, I think that that's was right. the biggest issue with Alex. Yeah, Very yeah. yeah. And Amira um, is just focused on the child's needs she was. And, on, and giving the child the love. And she called her pickle. Yeah. And she just seemed to get her and she could soothe her and calm her like her mother couldn't. Yes. I thought yeah. that was so beautiful and so warm. Yeah. And there were lots of little tiny quirks that Kylie Reid writes about in Briar's behaviour. Little things that are just, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but they were just amusing and sweet and totally left of centre. I know. And just gorgeous. Gorgeous. And she loves smelling tea bags, remember? <laughs> one of her favourite things to do. So I think there was this, this week where uh, Alex was in New York and Amira had uh, Briar to herself for the whole week. So there was one day where she went to a cafe and they spent hours just smelling tea bags and lining them all up in the cafe, yeah. which I thought was gorgeous. Yeah. And she loved nuts and she loved raisins yeah. and fish. Yes. Yes. And that's the lovely thing also, I guess, about, you know, painting, uh, you know, a lovely picture like this of a nanny-child um, relationship as opposed to a mother-child relationship. Mm. In lots of ways, Amira is being paid solely to have a lovely time with this child. I know. Um, and, yes, she does cook a bit of dinner and, yes, she will obviously bathe her and do mm. some chores or whatever else, but she's not in their home to do anything else, whereas a mother doesn't have hours to spend sniffing tea bags. No, I've never done that with my <laughs> no. children. No, and you? she was, no, God, no. no. And she was only looking after the one child yes. because the younger baby was mm. always with um, Alex mm. because Alex tolerated the baby better than she did the toddler, which I is know. strange. I know, I um, know. But, yeah, so this beautiful little child with all her funny little quirks was that were unknown to her mother. And, and Amira had the luxury of time no. to indulge I those know. quirks, I essentially. Know. I know. I used to always, actually, when my kids were younger, I we had a couple of nannies part-time, various different scenarios, and I used to always have a little bit of envy about the nanny. I used yeah. to think, how wonderful to be ba being paid. Well, it wasn't much, but, you know, just being paid to come. Yeah. And in my case, we had a male nanny, Lachlan, and he used to go and play soccer outside with the boys, and he'd take yeah. them down to the park, and then he'd make pancakes with them, and I thought... That'd be so great, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just yeah. not have to worry about anything else, all yeah. the other domestic responsibilities. Yeah. So, Jules, would we recommend the book? Would you recommend it? Yes, I would. Um, I would still say that, you know, I guess, you you know, as a reader you probably want would want to have a certain interest in these sorts of issues, I guess. I mean, some people might be turned off by it, but I thought it was actually really interesting. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd recommend it. Yeah. yeah, I do too. Because I think there are obviously we talk about race, we talk about class and privilege, but there are those other lovely themes of, I suppose, friendship and motherhood, mm. um, which which I think makes the book even more interesting. Yeah. And I think there are some musings on that. And, um, and uh, yeah, no, I, th I thought it was really good. It's very American too. It is very, very American. time and place. Yeah, no, um, I agree with that. Um, of America. And that's all right. I mean, obviously we have quite a large exposure to American culture already mm. um, with all of our television yes. shows and films and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, 
I still really liked it. And, you know, there is an element of obviously um, African-American people that we don't really have a lot of African-American people. Yes, here. exactly right. So it, in that respect, it's still quite educational for me to get little glimpses of that mm. kind of life and a, a whole other world that I'm not a party to. <laughs> no, and that, I agree, Jules. I thought it was actually very, very educational, to be honest, because, mm. um, you know, there, there were some inherent biases, I suppose, in the way they live everyday life. And I think yeah. Kylie is quoted as saying, that's one thing she also wanted people to take from the book is just a, an acknowledgement or, you know, an understanding that they are, that there are biases there and just being more cognizant of them again, being more cognizant of them yeah. is one way we can start to break them down. So, Absolutely. you know, yeah. little steps, little steps. Yeah. Um, and into out of 10, what would you give it? Um, I think I'm a bit of a hard marker. Are you? But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably say eight. I'd give it an eight. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm at 8.1. <laughs> I look I really did I really did like it I did read it very quickly but I, I, I still did very much like it I love the way she wrote um mm. a lot of people were quite critical of the way she wrote they found it a bit disjointed and a little bit awkward but I I really liked it and I oh, thought I she did it. dialogue beautifully yes I thought yeah. that was her, her her big thing yeah. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more character development mm. um and I think had we had we had a bit more of a mirror maybe when she was growing up and a bit more context that would have been helpful and even Alex it does have a bit of Alex's backstory but yeah it does yeah. Um, but it's almost discussed in a very factual way, not a very. I don't understand some of the emotions that are going on because I think had we understood some of maybe some of the psychological stresses, maybe we would be able to better. I would have been able to better connect with her as an adult because mm. I didn't find myself connecting with her very much during the book. I was very much a mirror, a mirror fan. Not yeah. that you had to choose, but I, I felt more connected to the character of a mirror. Yes, yeah, oh, I did too because I think uh, yeah, Alex was just a bit. Um too horrific for words at she was times. Too, she was hard to like, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she was. Mm. And I didn't have a lot of empathy for her. But perhaps if I understood a bit more about her headspace and some of her childhood trauma sounds highly dramatic, but you know what I mean, some mm. of her early experiences in life, I would have been able to understand her a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. But, you know, great book, Kylie. And that's her first, that's her first novel. Yeah, first novel, yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. You know, and on, and it's been on the New York Times bestseller list. Yes, that's right. She's yeah. done really well. She's done really well. So a big thank you to the lovely Jules for being part of this week's book club. It's always so great to have her part of it. She is one clever cookie, that girl. And a big thank you to Julie and Jenny for sending in your feedback. We love getting feedback and we love getting insight from people who've read the book. So if this is you down the track and you have read the book, we would love to hear from you. Now, next week, I'm so excited about next week, actually, because next week we actually have our first author on the podcast. We will be reading a book called Six Minutes by Petronella McGovern. Now, this is a really interesting book. I haven't yet read it, but my mother has, and she couldn't put it down. In fact, she didn't make dinner, I think, for two nights because she was so in the moment. So this is going to be a great great read so if you haven't got it already i know you can get it um in an ebook capacity so that might uh, help you get it in time for next week's podcast but look if you don't read it in time don't worry just make sure you read it before you listen to the podcast at some stage so thank you everybody again and enjoy our new freedom because as of monday we have got particularly in new south wales we can actually get our eyebrows waxed i know i've mentioned that before but i am so incredibly excited about that mine are shocking so stay safe everybody stay well and i look forward to seeing you at book club next week lots of love